Today on Hardwired. False hope refers to a hope based entirely around a fantasy or an extremely unlikely outcome. False hope is when you put your hope in something that really cannot come through for you, though you believe that it will, but it's a real stretch. And you put your hope in something that just really can't pull through for you. You're listening to Hardwired with Pastor Jeff Wickwire. Thanks for allowing us to share this time with you. It's our favorite time of the day where we get to hang out together and hear about how the truth of God's Word can make a huge difference as it's hardwired into your life, your relationships, and your future. You may be stuck in traffic or maybe even stuck in life. Either way, today's message is going to help you get on the right track as you learn how much God loves you right where you are. And if for any reason you have to break away before the end of the program, you can always catch it at our website, hardwired.org. That's hardwired.org. So let's go ahead and get right into today's message. Here's Pastor Jeff to set it up for us. Hello, everybody, and welcome to this edition of Hardwired. Thank you so much for joining us. A very popular book came out some time ago that said this life was maybe our best life. But that is not what the Bible teaches. The Bible teaches that we should all as Christians hold on to a living hope. That's what the Bible calls it, a living hope. Well, what is our living hope? Well, we're gonna see today that our living hope is the hope that Jesus is coming back, that he will take us into his own presence, and we will be escorted into a place of glory and bliss and joy forever and ever, eternities upon eternities long. So grab your Bible and let's jump right in and see what the Bible has to say about a living hope. I'm excited to share it with you, let's go. Let me talk to you about a living hope. It says, praised, honored, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. By his boundless mercy, we have been, what everybody? Born again. Now look what happened when we got born again. To an ever living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Now notice the connection, born again, released ever living hope. And where that come from? The resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. I wanna tell you today, he's risen. And because he's risen, there is hope. Now I want you to notice, and this is what really jumped out at me this week. Peter doesn't just say that we've been born again to hope, but he called it living hope. Hope that is alive. And that's what really began to talk to me. Now, what is hope? Well, here's what the dictionary tells us hope is. It's an emotional belief in the possibility of positive outcomes in the circumstances within one's personal life. When you have hope, you believe that there is a possibility for positive outcomes in your own personal life, and that's hope. Now, when I read that verse this week, it made me think that not only is there living hope, but you can stick a lot of adjectives in front of the word hope. A lot of things pass for hope today that turn out to be faulty hope. So let me just name a few of them for you. Some of the adjectives that we can put in front of hope today. First, there is false hope. There is false hope. 
false hope refers to a hope based entirely around a fantasy or an extremely unlikely outcome. False hope is when you put your hope in something that really cannot come through for you, though you believe that it will, but it's a real stretch. And you put your hope in something that just really can't pull through for you. I read recently this week about a man who put great hope in an invention, it was a pill. And this pill was supposed to be dropped down into a gas tank and it was supposed to increase the MPG in your car, just a little pill. And of course he sank a lot of money into it and needless to say, it didn't work because a pill does not increase the miles per gallon in a car. It didn't work, listen, because it couldn't work. And so it proved to be false hope. And the Bible says that false hope makes the heart sick. You put your hope in something that does not come through for you and it drops you and it disappoints you. And the Bible also talks about crushed hope. Job, the Old Testament man of suffering, cried out. He described crushed hope perfectly. He said, my life's about over. All my plans are smashed. All my hopes are snuffed out. My hope that night would turn into day. You ever had that hope that night would turn into day, that somehow this nightmare or this problem would fade away and give way to day. He goes on and says, my hope was that dawn was about to break. But at this particular time in the book of Job, it had not happened. And so he was experiencing crushed hope. The Bible says hope deferred or hope that does not come through makes the heart sick. It's a letdown. It takes the wind out of your sail. And then the Bible also talks about lost hope. At a point of national despair, the Old Testament people of Israel cried out these words, quote, our bones are dry. Our hope is lost and there's nothing left for us. You ever feel that way? Nothing left. Your hope is lost. You used to have hope, but it's faded. And now you feel like there's nothing left. What am I gonna do? And I'm certain today there are many here whose hopes have been crushed and whose dreams are unfulfilled. Maybe just a few years ago, you had great, great, glorious dreams of what you would like to be, what you would like to do. You were really excited. Hope was really strong. But now today, they've all faded away. And maybe your hopes have even been crushed and have collapsed around you. What you thought was gonna happen hadn't happened. This happens to Christians. This happens to non-Christians. We are people. And sometimes our hope is let down. And what do you do when that hope is let down? You meant to do well, your motives were right. Your future looked bright, but life has taken an ax to the root of your dreams and your hope seems all but lost right now. Where are you gonna go? What are you gonna do? What now? Hope is so crucial to life. It is so important to living. You gotta have hope. We can live weeks without food. We can survive days without water, minutes without oxygen. But I'm gonna tell you, you can't live a moment without hope. Because as soon as you give up hope, you give up your reason for living. As soon as you give up hope, something inside your soul begins to die. Doesn't take long at all 
the skips out of your step, the smiles out of your face, the gleams out of your eye. Hope is lost. Hope is what gives you a reason to get up in the morning, to believe there's a reason for being here. When you've got hope, there is a reason for existing, a reason for going through a day. Hope is the feeling you have that the feeling you have won't last. Think about that. You'll get it about Tuesday. <laughs> hope is the feeling you have that the feeling you're having is not going to last because hope says it's going to change. Martin Luther said, everything that is done in the world is done by hope. Everything. We birthed this church in hope. You got married in hope. You had children in hope. You got your job in hope. You get up every day and hope is a part of what you get up with. You got to have hope to live. Thomas Fuller wrote, if it were not for hopes, the heart would break. Why? Because without hope, you have no hope that things are going to change. When we lose hope, we lose the meaning for life and living. You don't even want to live anymore. There's no reason to live without hope. That's why psychologist Dr. Carl Menninger said that hope is the major weapon against the suicidal impulse. When someone decides to end their life, I'll guarantee you what preceded that is they gave up hope. There's no more hope, no more reason. There's no more reason for me to go on. And I'm going to tell you that's always a lie because God is always there. And even if you're in the deepest, darkest depression, my God can give you hope. You never need to end your life. Now, I got to think about hope this week a lot. I was thinking about hope a lot. If you stop and think about it, the way we use hope in the world, in the everyday, workaday world, we usually use the word hope with a level of uncertainty. Let me give you an example. We may say something like this. I hope the Cowboys win in the playoffs. That's a big hope. <laughs> because my employer will send me to the Super Bowl should they go. So, oh, I hope the Cowboys go to the Super Bowl. In other words, here's the deal. We desire for the Cowboys to win so that we can take an exciting trip. We hope it happens, but every time we use the word hope in this world, there's a level of uncertainty. We hope they win, but we're not sure if they will. Or we might say something like this. I hope that a strong economy comes back again. I hope America rebounds. I really hope so. In other words, the arrival of a strong economy is the object of our hope, but it's spoken with cross fingers. I hope, but I'm not sure. I hope, but we don't know. What we do is we put hope in our hope. See, we believe there's power in hoping for something, but it's never a certainty. We believe if I just say, man, I hope that happens. Oh, oh, hold on to hope. I hope that happens because we believe in just saying that, hoping it may help it. But here's how it's spoken. Maybe so, maybe not. Maybe so, maybe not attitude. We say, I hope, but we're not sure. I'm hoping for the best, we say. When the odds are stacked against us, we say, keep hope alive. But implicit in that statement, listen carefully, is this message. This could go either way. I hope it doesn't, but it could go either way. So I'm just holding out hope. But maybe so, and here's my message today. Maybe so, maybe not. 
cross your fingers and hope for the best is not the kind of hope described in the Bible. The Bible does not talk about maybe so, maybe not, hope so, perhaps so, maybe so, if so. Biblical hope is not just a desire for something good in the future. It's not a hope so, maybe so, perhaps so kind of hope, but rather biblical hope is a confident expectation that something good is in my future. I'm not hoping, I'm not thinking, well, fingers crossed. No, when I stake my hope, when it's Bible hope, here's why it is set in concrete, can be stood on, walked on, slept on, lived on, lived by. Bible hope comes from the promises in the Bible and from the God who made the promises in the Bible. We'll get back to Pastor Jeff in a moment to close out today's program. But first, I wanna share something about our program. Our mission is actually very simple, to share the life-changing good news of Jesus Christ in a way that gets hardwired into your life. And we trust these messages from Pastor Jeff aren't something you can only listen to and enjoy, but that they inspire you to share with others. The message of the gospel is something everyone needs to hear, and that's why it's a priority to us. And you get to join us in this important mission. Call us at 877-884-3111 to say you're in, or drop us a line at our website, hardwired.org. Well, here's Pastor Jeff with the rest of today's program. Biblical hope not only desires something good for the future, it is confident, it is confident, it is confident that it will happen. That's Bible hope. I have a confident expectation for good in regards to the future. There is a guarantee attached to the hope found in Scripture because it's rooted in the promises of God and the God of the promises, and you can walk on that, and you can live on that. The Bible has so much to say about hope, real hope, vital hope. And let me tell you something, church. The days we're living in, with our nation being rocked and rolled, with the world in such turbulence, the Middle East, a powder keg waiting to blow up. We need to understand what real hope is. My hope is not in a human being. My hope is not in an economy. My hope is not in a nation. My hope is not in a political party. My hope is in the God of the Bible and the God who raised Jesus Christ from the dead. You know, the, the Bible is so full of incredible statements about hope. Listen to this. Paul wrote that the hope the Bible talks about, quote, does not disappoint or leave us feeling ashamed because God has poured out his love into our hearts by the Holy Spirit whom he has given us. The hope, when you put your hope in the Bible, when you put your hope in the promises of God, it'll never leave you feeling like a fool. It'll never leave you feeling ashamed. You will never have deferred hope or disappointed hope because God stands behind his word. The Bible says that God can cause us to literally overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. And Paul the Apostle said, we rejoice, we have joy, we have happiness in our confident hope. And the Bible says that God himself, the God we worship today, 
who sent his son to die on the cross and took our sins on himself and rose from the dead, the first fruits of many who will rise from the dead later. That God is the source of real hope. Now, let's get down to what all this hope talk has to do with Easter. The passage we first read gives us the key, a key to finding a rock solid, undying, unbeatable, surefire source of the kind of hope that won't be snuffed out, it won't leave you disappointed, it won't be lost when life deals its difficult trials. It's called living hope. Man, that talked to me this week, living hope. Well, what in the world is living hope? Listen to it again. By his boundless mercy, we have been born again to an ever living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. The source of this kind of dynamite hope is the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Now, let me tell you what living hope means to me today. It means, first of all, the presence of Jesus is with us in a daily way. Now, follow my logic. If it's a hope that's alive, it's living hope. So if it's a hope that's alive, then it must be there with me in my everyday, same old, same old, workaday world, or it's not a hope that is living. Call it a living hope. If it's a living hope, then it's alive. It's a, if it's alive, it's with me every day, not just Sundays, not just Wednesday nights. It's with me every day. Every moment I'm alive, living hope is with me. You know, some people, they have a sometimes hope or just a 911, I lean on God only in emergencies kind of hope or an occasional when I'm an emotionally inspired kind of hope. You're going to leave today emotionally inspired. You say, well, that was a good service. I want to know what happens to you on Monday? What happens to you on Tuesday? What happens to you on Wednesday? What happens on Thursday when the car has a flat tire and you run out of gas and the kids go crazy and, and your spouse says they're walking out? What happens then? Is your living hope around then? Bible hope is more than these things. It's called living hope, and that means it's there all the time. Now, let me give you an example. Happened to me this week. Last Friday was Good Friday. But Good Friday last Friday was not a Good Friday for me. How many of you ever had a bad Friday on Good Friday? Hey, it wasn't a Good Friday for me. The night before Good Friday, I developed a major cold. That's always bad news for me because they usually last for days. And first thing that went through in my mind was, uh-oh, I'm not going to have a voice on Sunday morning. Well, I'm doing just fine, let me say but I was worried about, oh, I've got a cold now. It came up on me, wicked sore throat. I couldn't breathe and it kept me up most of the night. The thought of Easter Sunday and two services instead of one sat on the front burner of my mind and I thought, uh-oh, I'm in trouble. And on Good Friday, I called the doctor. Can I just tell you, I love doctors, but I hate going to the doctor's office. I called the doctor and they said, yeah, you need to come on in. And so I had to go in and get a shot to get rid of the whole mess. That meant I was going to have to go into the doctor's waiting room with a bunch of other snorters and sniffers and wheezers and sneezers. And I got to tell you, I come from a germ phobic family on my dad's side. When I go into a doctor's office, I feel like wearing a hazmat suit. <laughs> and 
I breathe deep before I walk in and I try to breathe very little. I keep something over my face. I plead the blood. I put on the full armor of God and I rebuke the enemy off of me and all the bacteria and all the germs. And I pray that God will help them get to me quickly. And they never do. <laughs> they never do. You know why they don't? Because they don't have to. So I sat there and kept something over my face, letting everybody think that I was real sick, but I was really warding off the germs. <laughs> got my shot on Good Friday. This was Good Friday. And I walked out, got into my car, turned on the radio, and what did I hear? Sunday morning, thunderstorms, hail. The only thing they didn't say was snow. <laughs> when? From 7.30 to 11. It's gonna be bad. It may have hail. I'm listening to all this, and I know you're hearing the same thing. And I said, oh, Lord Jesus, do you still like me? That's the biggest day of the year. But let me tell you what happened. I'm driving home through the predictable rush hour traffic, and I'm thinking about all these things, and I'm sorting, and I'm sniffing, and all of a sudden, the peace of God just flooded that car. And I thought, he is risen. He is risen. Now, let me tell you what that means. Let's pretend that you won the lottery and you won $100 million. And that $100 million went into your bank account and you go home and you get it in the mail and you open the mail and there's bill after bill, water bill, house bill, mortgage bill, electric bill, all kinds of bills. And you begin to feel stressed and you begin to feel worried. And then all of a sudden you remember, I have a hundred million dollars in the bank. You know what that means? This doesn't matter. Now watch this. When the stresses of life hit you, you know what makes it a living hope? No matter what's coming your way, no matter what has come against you, how the enemy has unleashed himself against you, you can stop it all in the middle of the stresses of life and just say three words. Say it with me. He is alive and nothing else matters. That's why the song says, because he lives, I can face tomorrow. Because he lives, all fear is gone. Because I know he holds the future and life is worth the living. Just because he lives. You say, well, you've just got a crutch, a religious crutch. Well, guess what? I'm not having to smoke it, snort it, shoot it, or drink it. <laughs> say with me, he is alive. I don't know how people make it without Jesus anymore these days. I don't know how they do it. I don't know how you do it without God in your life. No wonder they're smoking it, snorting it, shooting it, drinking it, to numb the reality. But there is a better answer. And his name is Jesus and he is risen from the dead. And we're here today to celebrate the risen Savior. He conquered death, hell, and the grave. And when you say he is risen, it just gives you a victory in life. That's a living hope. Now, the second thing a living hope means is that we've got a living hope in the hour of death. Now, let me tell you, I don't know if you know it or not, but every one of you is going to die someday. And so am I. We don't even like to hear that, do we? See, when I said that, it went, don't be a bummer on me today now. I don't want to hear about dying. Well, let me tell you, 
we're all going to die. But as you know, that a living hope means we've got hope in the hour of death. Listen to what the Bible says, quote, it's logical that the Savior took on flesh and blood in order to rescue us by his death. It goes on, by embracing death, he destroyed the devil's hold on death and freed all who through the haunting fear of death were held in bondage throughout the whole course of their lives, scared to death of death. I'm not a psychologist, but I'm gonna tell you, I thought a lot about it and I think this. I think most of the fears that torment people have their root in the fear of death. You've been listening to Hardwired with Pastor Jeff Wickwire. It would mean the world to us to know how the program has helped you today. So take a quick minute and give us a call, 877-884-3111. Or you can connect with us at our website, hardwired.org. And if you enjoy the program as much as we love bringing it to you, let us know by your generous support. It would really mean a lot to us. There are daily costs associated with the program, and we truly do depend on the faithful financial support of our listeners like you to allow us to be on this station. So please consider partnering with us today with your gifts to this ministry. You can call us at 877-884-3111 or go to the website hardwired.org. Again, call 877-884-3111 or at our website, hardwired.org. Thank you for your loyal partnership as we couldn't do this without you. And finally, Pastor Jeff is the founder and senior pastor of the vibrant Turning Point Church in Fort Worth, Texas. If you're ever in the area, we hope you'll stop by and say hi. And let us know that you listen to the program. That would really make our day. And Pastor Jeff would love to meet you personally, too. So till next time, have a great day. And thanks so much for listening to Hardwired.